everybody. This is the Drop the Beat podcast. My name is Charles Larita. And I'm Will Sarver. And we want to thank you for listening to us beat off today. Oh, that was fantastic. Wow. So thank you guys. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, this is the show all about music and music related topics with questions submitted by you guys. And I don't know, Will, if you know, but we uh, we have a way they can submit questions. I'm I'm honestly not aware of this. Uh, it's my first oh. time here, so I would say since it's your first show uh, being here, if any of you guys listening go to www.charleslarita.com/contact. Um, you, there's a little form you can fill out with your name, where you're from, and your question, and if it's hopefully something that we can answer in long form. And if we pick your question, we're going to send you guys a free shirt with the, either the Drop the Beat logo on it or the Mischief logo or one of those guys. We have a couple to choose from. So if wow. we pick your question, you won't be naked anymore, and we're going to clothe you. And I think it's going to be really great. That's a really nice gesture. <laughs> I thought so. I don't I even have those T-shirts. No, we're actually both sitting here completely buck-ass nude because uh, no one's picked our questions yet. So we, we have nothing <laughs> nothing to wear. I have slippers on, though, actually, so it's not as I'm chilly. wearing socks. Nice. It's still cold, nice. if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so, yeah, so if we pick uh, your question that you submit, you guys will, uh, will, will reach back out to you and say, hey, we picked your question. We're going we gonna to shirt your ass, and it's going to be really cool. Oh, we should We're put really that terrible. on a shirt. We're going to shirt your ass? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would wear that. That's oh, that's per- But that's a little meta because it's like you're talking about giving someone a shirt, but it's on a shirt already, and then we're wearing that. No, no, it doesn't care. I'm in. That's Mind perfect. Blown. That's, that's great. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's, um, that's great. That, that's, that's really, really good. Um, Will, how you been in, uh, in quarantine still? Hanging. Still waiting for my T-shirt. Oh, well, your questions are not very good. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's okay. I'm well, sorry I'm we didn't to, pick I'm it. I'm to write better ones. I submitted it to the council. I mean, I don't know what you want. They just were like, nah, we ain't shirting his ass. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or would it be shirt? No, it'd be pantsing your ass because it's your ass. Never mind. Um, That's besides the point. Um, yeah, but I'm Well, hey, in. I had... Yeah, that's good. How you good, doing? Good. That's How you I, doing? Hey, I'm okay. Um, And I did have a really cool announcement because by the... You know, us the date that we're recording the show versus when it's going to be out. Um, this will already will already hopefully be public um, by then. But I now, as of today's date, am officially uh, a GHS Strings endorsed artist. Whoa! And I'm I'm like incredibly ecstatic about this. So I guess I wanted to you know throw out a little promo for those guys um, because I've been going back and forth with John who runs their artist relations over there and absolute, just one of the nicest people. Um, and I've, you know, I've been using JHS strings for God, 20 years now. It's been, I've been playing guitar. That's the not only a lot. string that I've, it's decently whatever. <laughs> um, it's almost a quarter of a century. So that makes me feel old if I say that. Um, but GHS has been the only string that I've used that entire time. Or if, anyone have been like, I'll try this string or try these strings. And I've just been like, no, no, thank you. (laughs) I've just gone, always gone back. So if you guys, anyone listening are guitarists out there and you don't use GHS strings, yes, this is a shameless plug, but also I'm telling the complete truth um, because I would not have signed on with GHS if I didn't believe that their stuff was, was awesome. And I actually do use it and that's all I use. Um, So if you haven't tried GHS strings, you probably should. Will, you should put them all over your drums. 
Honestly. I wish I could. I really do. What's stopping you? Nothing. You're right. I was going to say, so help me God, that little guitar string on the inside of your cajon isn't a GHS string that vibrates on that head. Oh, I'm that's gonna be a real good pit. Yeah. I'm going to be... That's a good point. I'd be real, really angry. Yeah. But, but yes, I, I'm an official GHS artist now, and I'm very, very uh, humbled, honored, and thankful for that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, shout out to GHS. But now I feel, yeah, oh, huge, huge shout out to GHS. Those guys are fantastic. And now I feel completely conceited talking about me so much. But, William. Yeah, I'm over. We have, I would say we, we, have, we have a question that came in. We, we get questions? I mean, this is my first time, so you know you gotta walk me through. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Th- for everyone who doesn't know, this is Will Sarver. He's been in America for one day. He's doing really great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this question comes from Michael F. from Brooklyn, New York. Whoa! Oh, baby, that is that is a, a good, lovely neighbor to the north. Yeah, that's north. That is. That's good, though. I like that. Brooklyn is awesome. We've you and I with the band. We've we've played in Brooklyn before. Yeah, it's a great time. It's a very very cool place. Um, and you know we uh, we we. I mean, I love New York City in general. So, Michael, that's fantastic. So, I'm going to be reaching back out to you um, to let you know that we selected your question for this week, and we're going to talk some shirts, and hopefully, you dig it. And it's going to be a lot of fun. But Michael had a pretty cool question this week because it's something different. And it's not necessarily anything sad or negative or depressing that we've had in like the past couple weeks. <laughs> you know, where it's always like. It's very real know, talk. Yeah, you and me being like, I'm so sad. I don't have any music to play. That was me doing an impression of myself. Um, oh, I, I thought you just had the, you know, uh, oral surgery and still numb. Oh, that was like a, a Mr. Smee from Peter Pan. Or like a yeah, me Captain Hook, or like a, what's the is it Huckleberry Hound or Droopy? One of the old Hanna Barbera ones. Anyway, I digress. Michael writes in and says, and this is pretty cool. I think we're gonna have a lot of fun with this topic. Um, he says, "Me and my friends constantly get into arguments about who our favorite players are, but we've come to the conclusion that there's really no right answer. It's like comparing apples to oranges with some of these musicians. What would you say are some qualities that make someone a good musician? Like, do they have to be professionally trained to be considered good?" Thank you guys so much. So thank you, Michael. That's an awesome, awesome Whoa. question. And we, uh, we're going to have fun with this one because I know for the most part, you and I have very, very similar musical tastes, but I know there are some areas where we kind of differ. And that's not a bad thing at all because it's, I think the best part about art, like especially films, like I lo- I'm huge into movies. I'm huge into filmmaking, the process, everything behind the scenes. And the, my favorite part about movies are not everyone has to like the same movie. I think that's a great thing. That's the yeah. point of the art where it's like, I'm never mad if someone doesn't agree with my views because it's it's subjective and I think that's very important. So, I mean, that's how it is with music, you know, genres in general, but then also the players who get there. So I think a good kind of realm to cover with this thing, it's, you know, even looking at the genres, it's like, yeah, you might have, you know, when you think of like the big heavy musicians, it's always the rock stuff and the guitarists and whatever like that. But then, you know, you don't realize it's like there's dudes playing country stuff who may, yeah, maybe they're not doing these big gut buster solos, but they're still fabulous musicians. Right. And then again, it's it's all subjective. So, I mean, let's really kind of start this this thing off. Which direction should we go in, William? Because, I mean, we can, God, we can hit anything. We got technique, we got style, we got genre stuff. What do you feel we should pop off on this guy? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty to pick from. Um, I mean, I guess from, 
I guess something that can relate both to guitar and drums. I mean, well, pretty much most instruments, I would say. But uh, I, from what I see, is um, speed being one of one of the oh, definitely categories. Mm-hmm. Um, you see a lot of that of people trying to play the fastest, and um, I got all of my teenage students <laughs> right. The shredding and the 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 chops and. Um, I think that kind of gets tied into uh, why some people would consider somebody a, a good musician, but um, I mean, speed is definitely um, you know a, a commendable talent, you know. But, um, but the one thing I always say, fast does not equal good. Yeah, I mean, there's if we're in the realm of guitarists, I mean, two guys right off the bat who I can think of would be like a BB King or you know, like a David Gilmore from Pink Floyd, where it's like they are not fast players in the least bit. But I think the one thing that you lose with speed is you lose feeling. Now, obviously, you can play fast things and make them feel, but a lot of times they start to become metronomic to yeah, a degree, and you I'd kind agree, of lose that yeah. feeling. And feel for me is everything. Like, I seldom talk about any of my favorite guitars because I'm always so heavy in the bass world because for me it's like the bass is the song and that's the part that really sticks with me most so i'm always like oh favoring basses but when we kind of get to guitars it's really interesting um and then and then even in your world speed you know in the drum and percussion world speed is always a topic for debate because it's like yeah people like the fastest absolute fastest players but does that make it good right you know um like like you and i i know we we share a quite a few favorite drummers i know like you and me love like bernard purdy like he's one of our main dudes oh yeah um one of my favorites now he's yeah i mean we'll drop drop bruce and t about mr purdy over there because i mean he's yeah he's got some chops but a lot of the stuff i think is just flat out just grooving and it doesn't even have to be fast which is cool 100 percent. i mean that's that's what he's about um for anybody listening that doesn't know who he is um he's probably you've all heard him you've literally all heard him. yeah he's <laughs> probably if not one of the most recorded drummers um ever he's been on thousands of tracks and has played on everything and with everybody um but i think he he's gotten to that point um mainly because of the way he plays and it's all feel like you talked about He's all groove. Um, he's not playing on those records, playing a million notes a minute, and you know, not busy playing. You know, um, it's all seems simple. I mean, it's really not. Um, it's super oh, technical, God, no. and no. it's really hard to play those in in that style and in that way with that much fields. It's very difficult. Um, but. That's what he does, and he's the guy that everybody calls. Um, so, you know, that's why he's one of my favorites because, like you, um, feel is everything to me as far as music goes. Well, what I would even say to add on to that is I think what considers, because now we're getting in that realm, it's like, what makes someone good? And I mean, I think to consider Mr. Purdy good is he's so goddamn solid. Like, yep. that's what it gets down to. That's why he gets the gigs. That's why he's on, like, what, 4,000 records to date? Yeah, like, he's on nuts. literally everything. Um, he's so solid. 
he's one of the drummers, one of the few drummers who plays what's needed, which I think is just an incredible skill to have where it's like he dials exactly what it needs. Um, and that in itself is just like incredibly impressive. He's not there just blowing off chops. Like he's playing to the band that he's with and he's like a one take dude. Like he's not in there doing, you know, like multiple takes. Like yeah, you he's can. like a one and done. Yeah. Takes her money. No. Um, time is money. But I mean, and then, if, you know, we're, we're talking skill with that, you know, um, if he was to be one of those guys to keep, you know, doing all these takes, he wouldn't get called back. Never, never. Uh, he's, you know, reliable, dependent. Like you said, he, he plays what's needed. And I think playing what what's needed is one of the hardest things to do as a musician. I completely um, agree. That takes a long time and a lot of experience to try and figure it out. Um, cause you know, you and I both see, you know, you tend to see at a younger age, um, people wanting to play too much, too oh, fast. Yeah. Oh, totally. Too busy. I was there. I mean, we I were was all there. I, yeah. yeah, we were all there. We were all there. And cause you, you think fast equals good. So you gotta be like, I gotta do this so fast. And I'm always saying to my students, you know, slow it down. Yeah. Like, come on, make it you know. feel right. You know? Yes. Um, and it's funny because, like, at least for me, I don't know how it was for you, but as I got older, the less I played. It sounds weird. Uh, yeah. But no, I simplified that's, that's it as I matured. Yeah, um, yeah. and that is a, a thing of maturing with playing. Like, And th- my musical tastes changed. You know, because when I was younger, I was, you know, I was in, obviously into all my 90s pop stuff because I have such a 90s fetish and I can't move on. But other than that... Um, a lot of super heavy rock and I was into like a lot of hair metal and a lot of really heavy stuff. And then as I aged, I started getting into, you know, more of the R and B and the funk stuff and the Motown where now it's all about feeling. Yeah. And musicianship, and I would still consider the music musicianship to be right up there with those like shredding guys playing. Cause I mean, if you look at those hair metal guys, they're just all playing classical stuff. Like it's all Bach runs and it's all stuff like that. And just the like Paganini stuff, and it's it's just with distortion on it, which is obviously impressive, impressive, and you know it has its purpose. But then it's like I look at a lot of the session players on the Motown records, like the Funk Brothers, and it's like for me, with the amount of feeling that they put in, that stuff is just as good, if not better. For me, obviously, that's you know opinionated over here, um, right? Yeah. But like some of those dudes, oh my god! Like you have like one of my all-time favorite musicians ever is James Jamerson, uh, the bassist who played on like all of Marvin Gaye's records and a lot of um you know the Smokey Robinson stuff uh just absolute incredible incredible master of the craft and the best part about it is when you listen to like the what's going on record the Marvin Gaye record um he would come into the studio absolutely drunk like just disgustingly drunk and he'd be laying on his back not able to talk not able to walk laying on his back and those were the takes that you hear on that record and it was like usually the first take because <laughs> it was everyone playing together like you those dudes didn't make mistakes and that kind of i was thinking when we were talking about uh mr bernard purdy the nashville players in those studio settings because it's like you want to talk about incredible good musicians um that might not necessarily be on the forefront on records like we're not talking about like oh you're up front guy but that whole realm of players is incredible because it's like those guys take what they do so incredibly seriously and they are on every record multiple sessions a day you'll even have a guy where it's just like 
the auxiliary percussion guy where he has like maybe two cowbells in front of him. But you damn well know that dude is not going to mess up and he gets paid well for what he does. Oh, yeah. And that makes him a good player because he does not mess up and that's why he's on like a billion records. Right. I mean, you, I know you and I praise the Nashville guys and you more so than I know a lot about that kind of scene. Um, Some of the best like, players out there. I don't know. And it might not be hard stuff they're doing. You might just have a guy strumming chords on something or playing basic chords and just comping on a piano, but it's like they're so solid, it's incredible. Right. Like to the point where it's like disgusting, like in a, the best possible form of disgusting. You know? Yeah, they like, just... Like a surfer. <laughs> yeah, they just... Disgusting, They bruh. just check off all the boxes, in my, in, oh in my, my God, opinion, incredible. as far as what makes a good musician. Um, they're a great example because... You know, they play what's needed all the time. They don't make mm. mistakes. They're solid. They're on time. Um, their timing is impeccable. Um, and they're some of the best readers on the planet. Yes, um, which that with musicianship always sometimes gets tossed to the side. Because then again, that's debatable too. Because it's like, oh, they know how to read incredibly and just blow through charts where a lot of the best players like have no idea. Yeah, you know, so it's like and that's totally so on fun, that yeah. end of the spectrum. On that end of the spectrum, those Nashville dudes are just like the tops. You can drop any sheet in front of them, and they just like instantaneously. Right, and it's know. and it's and it's not saying that if you can't read music, um, you know, as well as they can, then you're not, you know, you're not as good as them. It's no, it's they have to for the type of position they're in. You know, if you're not a studio yeah. guy, you know, you know, you don't have to worry so much about what your sight reading is you know you're you're playing live okay that's totally different um but i i think what's good about those guys is because like one of the one of the hindrances i've experienced with playing with people who primarily read music obviously i read too i fluently with everything that i do i have to um a lot of people read and they play like they're reading from a sheet there's no feeling in it so for oh, those yeah. dudes in suit yeah we both know what that's like <laughs> Um, so for those dudes to be able to read and play as if they're not, is a, and, and people who, you know, any of our listeners, you know, listening who are musical and the musical, they'll know what we're kind of talking about. Because sometimes when you're reading, you're focusing so heavily that it's stiff because you're counting every rest, you're counting every subdivision. And you're not listening outside for, of it. You're not exactly. That is the biggest part is you're not listening. You're not, you know perceiving what's around you so for them to be able to play and on a record and to be like oh man this guy's reading literally all of this and you would never know it that's yeah. like ungodly impressive now do you and think i just do you think they can do that because their reading is is so it's become a second nature to them that's what i was going to just say i think it's just it's become second nature where they don't even have to think yeah. about it um like sometimes I, I can fall into that category i mean still i would like to be able to sit down and rehearse it because for me my idea is you're never you're never too good to rehearse you know some people are like oh, i'm the best i never have to go over anything and i completely disagree yeah, like, wrong answer I, um, yeah like you're you're never too good to not practice like my um, my high school hires me back every single year to play either guitar or bass in their pit band for the musicals and it's a fun gig it's a good paying gig everyone there is just the best um 
and you know, I still go to a couple rehearsals. I mean, could I go the night of and read the stuff down cold? Yeah, probably. But I would want to rather be prepared so there's no kinks in it. Yeah, you know, but some people, you know, but some people are are just that confident, especially like the dudes in the Nashville studios. They have how many sessions a day? Ten or twelve, and it's just like, okay, next person comes in, drop the sheets in front of them, and they're just they go. And that's like an incredible, incredible work of just brain function with that. Like I couldn't imagine, you know, um, one of the things for me, and this falls with them too, what I always think makes someone a good musician is their, their consistency. I think that's very, very important. So like one of my favorite players is Richie Blackmore, who is the guitarist for Deep Purple. Like I seldom talk about my favorite guitar players because I was always like, I was I was never the, you know, guitar, 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 guitar kind of guitar guy. Because usually when you find like, like it's, you know, it's always like, that's all I talk about. And it's like, no, it's not. It's like, you know, I'd like to know every musician that I'm listening to and I don't favor one over the other. So I always like kind of push that stuff to the side. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so for me, Richie Blackmore is really cool because he was in Deep Purple and he was in Ronnie James Dio's uh, band Rainbow, which was really, really cool. He is one of the most consistent players I have ever heard because you will sometimes hear bands on a record and they're really good in the studio. And then you'll hear them live and it just, it's like a dumpster fire or it's like <laughs> someone taking a dumpster on fire and just pushing it down the stairs. And it's like, what happened? It's the biggest disappointment. Where Yes, where Richie was, even though he's supposedly a crazy person, he was never sloppy. Like, he was just so ungodly consistent with what he played. And I thought that was really, really just impressive. Um, you know, and I think that makes someone really good where it's like, oh, what you're hearing on the record is what you're going to get. It's like, yeah, it might not be note for note, and he's improving all over this thing. Um, but just that consistency sake, I think, is so impressive. And I think that makes someone good because, yeah, there's like bands where it's like, oh, yeah, the album's great. And it's like, yeah, but have you heard him live? It sounds like a, a big train wreck. <laughs> like, I don't know, you know. Right, yeah. And no, I totally agree with that. I mean, um, <laughs> consistency is everything. I mean, it, you, I, I mean, I know certain people from, you know, in the past of like, you never know what you were going to get on a certain day. And that was a scary yeah. thought. And it's like, yeah. Uh, Oh, you're playing with so and so this weekend, and you're mm-hmm. like, yeah. I'm like, and you're thinking in the back of your head, this gig's gonna go one or two ways. I don't know who's <laughs> gonna show yeah. up. I don't know if he's even looked at the music or whatever. So, being consistent is is amazing quality to have as a musician because you you become reliable, and people can count on you, and you get called back. Um, yeah. That makes you a good player. That's why, like, I thank the Dark Lord every day for you and, and the guys in the mischief because it's like, you know, consistency is so important, and I'm very thankful for that because it's like, yeah, if, if, there, if there was a dependability factor with playing where it's like, oh, no, this guy's going to have a sloppy night here. We're going to have a problem with big old beef stew slapping all over the stage, <laughs> you know, for lack of better terms. Or maybe that is the That's best the term. Best I don't term, really know. Actually. That's a damn good term, yeah. Um... But that's uh, that's that's so funny. Um, I think another cool point to kind of throw into this mess with what makes someone a good musician. Um, everyone always thinks music has to be a physical medium. Like there's so many players. Like I know Dave Grohl was always famous on record for saying, you know, if you're not physically holding a guitar or an instrument, you're not really doing it, and you're not a musician. And I completely disagree with that. 
Oh, I get it because, you know, everything's going electronic and virtual and all that. Yes. So you look at guys like Dead Mouse and um, Skrillex and I, one of my all-time favorites is Daft Punk because those guys are just brilliant. Um, now, they're not holding a physical instrument. Yeah, they have a computer in front of them and a bunch of knobs and buttons and things that I have no idea what they do because, you know, I'm not part robot like they are. Um, but when I've read about them or read interviews with them, their musical theory knowledge is absolutely bananas to the point where it's like Skrillex uses the Fibonacci theorem in a lot of his music, which that's if uh, people listening don't know what that is. That's people like um, Bach and Stravinsky and, you know, people like that back in the day, a lot of composers would use in their music. It was a calculated number. It was the golden ratio. And it was a way to calculate the song length and where the peak part of the song was. And supposedly it did something to like emotion and it was kind of like a goosebump sensation. And it really like pushed this, the big rise in the song. Um, and like, he does that and he is just on like a composition level of just some of the greats, which is always looked over, which is a shame because it's like, Oh, he's just, he's playing with computers. And it's like, dude, it is so much more. He knows what he's doing. Than just, yeah. Yeah, it's it's so much more than just oh he's not holding a guitar he doesn't know what he's doing he also or sings like, oh. too like he can sing he does yeah. I never knew that yeah I never he, like there's always yeah I, oh, go I, ahead I, no I feel <laughs> I don't I don't blanking on the name of the band but I, he like the band I think was pretty popular and he was singing in it so like he has musical talent it's just he's just oh the, oh the village people that's it yeah he was the yeah. um, construction yeah. worker. Yes. Right. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. In that. yeah. Excellent. I don't know why he ditched that. That was kind of lame. Yeah. But whatever. Um, but it's always cool with when you get pleasantly surprised about things like that. Like I remember you and I, I think at the same time, it was the first time we watched it. Um, and just it's a testament to, again, musicianship or what makes someone good. You and I both watched the Tiny Desk concert of T-Pain. Oh, And it was just him man. and a keyboard player. And you and I were like, well, this dude's just all auto-tuned. What's it matter? Like, okay. And he was not auto-tuned. And we were like unanimously like, holy shit. This dude is fantastic. Why does he not do this more? He has like such a great R&B voice. Yeah. Never knew. Uh, Never knew. If you, people haven't checked that out, go check out T-Pain on Tiny Desk Concert NPR. I mean, those? Mind blown. Yeah. Now, literally. Those those NPR concerts are great. The Tiny Desk ones. Um because like that's a sink or swim because there are some on there where it's, their records are good but live in a tiny setting like that that you know they can't fill that room yeah um and there's some that are just like incredible it's like oh my god you could literally have this dude play inside of like a cardboard box and they would just sound fantastic uh, and that that's like that is a testament to musicianship with that and i love it and god they're so damn good and we need to do one one day i say yeah, it all the time we really we do to, i we love need them to do one yeah they're great um, now, how do you feel throwing it back, um, the metaphorical bocce ball back in your court? Um, how do you feel with songwriting being a testament to musicianship? I mean, do you think, because now we're, we're always talking about um, just individual instruments, but what do you feel about songwriting where now it's everything in general? It's like this that song that is written and how that's a reflection of musicianship. 
which I know I phrased that question like absolutely <laughs> garbage, but no. take what you can from that and make it better. Do your job. You're yeah. great at it. <laughs> I'm going to try. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, for me, like, I don't, I'm, I'm not a songwriter, um, uh, but I know what a song. But you listen to a lot of music. Though. I, I mean, you yeah, know. Yeah, I know what it should in a way sound like. So, and it's what yeah, it's subjectively, to be. you know what's what's good and what's like. That's how Duke Ellington always said. There's two genres of music: good music and bad music. And even that is subjective in itself. So yeah. it's like impossible to even deduce any of this. Right. But. For me, it's like I could write a song in a way, but I'd have to have somebody like you translate it for me. And I know we do that all the time. Sometimes when we when we arrange stuff, it's I'll I either tap it out or I yeah. sing it in a poor voice and uh you figure but, but it out the thing that but the thing that people don't realize is even though you're not writing it yourself you're still coming up with the idea of it and telling me how to do it and kind of translating it to me and that isn't a lack of musicianship it's you're still having the idea so it's just as good and that is still good musicianship because you're still having the idea and it's like yeah it might not be in the the phrasing or words that you want it but it's like that's still like incredibly important because there are people who can't do that so that's a great well, thank you for making me feel better. <laughs> yeah, when you come to me, you're like, I have drum song. Okay, well, try your best. Yeah, I, no, you're literally just, not trans, even close You're just the translator. Oh, dude, you have awesome ideas, whether it's for melodies or riffs or drum parts or everything like that. you got to definitely give yourself more credit, but you're too humble to do that. Well, so I can you. be cocky thank for you. Thank you. You're the best. I have my moment. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but back to um, back to the songwriting thing is... Oh, I want to talk about you more, but okay. Oh, no, I'm, I'm over me. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, for me, it's... When I look at songwriting, I look at it as a some, some form of storytelling. Um, and I like to see a natural progression of the story. Mm. Um, so, I like... You know, I look for things that like songs that are staggered. Um, you know, that's a, that's a cool way to look at it. Yeah. Um, like, like a constant buildup throughout it. Um, you know, that's my absolute favorite. That's literally how I try to write everything. Yeah. I mean, because it, it moves and that's the goal and get, you're going to find probably in this podcast that everything's going to come full circle back to feel. And that's it's songwriting. You know, you, you have to create it. You have to it's create, gotta it's got to have a feel, it's got to have movement and with, by staggering it and, and, you know, um, putting a big crescendo on it, you know, throughout the entire song is, is what I think is some of the most musical things that you can do. Um, but I love that. I love that you said that about the big crescendo. Cause that was one of the best terms of advice I ever got from one of my mentors and it was like the best thing in a studio because when I was learning to write stuff and arrange stuff, you know, I came in with everything at a hundred percent right off the top. And my mentor said to me, wait before you shoot your load. And I thought <laughs> that was the best advice ever. Now this is me being like 13 and being like, uh, you yeah, know, right. Oh my God. Where it's like, I knew what he meant, but I didn't want to admit it. But, um, I'll tell you when the show's done. Okay, but, good. Um, yeah, I'm confused. But no, but that's that's great because uh, the build is awesome. And it's like if you look at a song like, kind of like a time bomb, it gets more tense and then it finally you know explodes and then you're at 100%. 
Um, I think that's that's very very important. I think some of the best songwriters in history have really taken that kind of card out of the deck and, and used it. Um, for me, you know, one of my favorite songwriters because everyone is always very very um, obviously not knock. You know, I, I like that we're not knocking any musicians or any writers today, which I think not is yet good because yeah. always try to stay positive because you know it's just opinions and who knows who's right and who's wrong. There's really nothing. But um, a lot of people really really favor Bob Dylan. I mean, for Christ's sake, the guy wrote you know, the Star Spangled Banner. Um, <laughs> you know, he's he's written everything and things like that. But for me, I always favored Carol King in terms of, of songwriting because um, she not only wrote for literally everybody, um, but she wrote with just absolutely incredible feel. Not only was she a monster writer, um, but she was, she was also like an incredible player. Like no one realizes like a lot of her piano playing is like some of the top stuff. Um, so as far as, you know, that goes, she was one of my favorites because she, she has just some like just ridiculous feel. Like one of my favorite albums of all time is Carol King's tapestry. Like I have few albums where I consider that I consider perfect. And that one cover to cover, I think is just absolute perfection. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's pretty cool. Um, and then again, if we look at other songwriters who just, they literally take, it's almost like there's the songwriting is the instrument in that regard because they just can take it and just grab it by the balls and just go nuts with it, which is great. Like I look at Prince as one of the oh, absolute yes. best. Yeah. Like if we're talking about feel and that, it's like that man knows how to write not just one song, but literally every song. Um, he He's in that category because also he just plays everything or played everything. Such an underrated guitar player. And that's another great thing. Yeah. He is one of my favorites. He's in my top three. Absolutely Same. love that man. Yeah. Um, Doesn't, everything he's done does not get the recognition, new. you know? And no one realizes, it's like, yeah, he's not a big shredding player, but it's that doesn't make him bad. It's like he his rhythm is ridiculous. I mean, he, he can really, really He can rip on guitar. I've seen it. Oh my God, he rips like a motherfucker. Yeah. Like, let's be real. Pardon my absolute Trenton French there, but like, um, that's what the dialect was. Oh, I don't well, yeah, I couldn't tell that. by your accent. Um, thank you. It's New Jersey. Um, you know, he he can just rip, and it's like that feeling. Like you can't get that. Like that's not taught. Like he was just born having that kind of feeling. Yeah, and that really, really blew up for me. I think the one. What really got me into Prince when I was younger, they did some kind of um, George Harrison tribute concert, and it was like all of these players on stage. Like it was Eric Clapton and Tom Petty. Oh, I know the video. Yeah, you know the video. Um, and it was Prince's turn to do a solo, and he just like he just dominated it. Like absolutely, just wasn't fair. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was incredible, and just to see a human being like have a guitar like that or an instrument in general just be a part of their body. And it's an extension. That's like a whole nother level of musicianship. I I think that's just insane. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I, I he's well. He's, we talk about Prince all the time. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I could know. talk for days about Prince. Unbelievable. I mean, another one of I I it, I think we both shared is you know Stevie Wonder. Oh my as far god, as songwriting he's, goes, yeah. and also the dude can play everything, but. Uh, <laughs> I always said he was the best jazz musician to ever have a pop career because it's, that's like, that's such a, well, I mean, think about it though. That guy has incredible pop.
pop songs. Everyone likes Stevie Wonder. And I mean, like, his songs are easy to listen to. But when you break them down and you realize it's like, this dude's putting some incredible stuff in his songs that the average listener wouldn't realize. But if you're into theory and in playing, it's like, dude, this guy's putting in, like, whole tone scales in his stuff and just some of these jazz runs he's doing. And his progressions are ridiculous. And it's just like... He knows what's up. Stevie yeah. always knows what's up. And it's not just like now Stevie. It's like forever he's been like that. Yeah. And I think a good example of what you're talking about is Sir Duke. Um, oh, if, you, boy. if you take that <laughs> horn line that's in there and really dissect it and listen to it, it is so jazzy. It is so well written. But, you know, when you listen to it normally, it's just, oh, it's just part of the song. But no, when you yeah. really everyone knows it, yeah. everyone can sing everyone's it. Everyone's singing yeah. it, but you, you're singing it, but you don't really know what it actually is. No, and that stuff is what really gets me every time. I love it, and I think with Stevie's writing, in a way, is like we were talking about the natural progression throughout the song, but he has very subtle changes in you oh, know, yeah. going from verses to choruses, but they make a huge difference at the end of the song. It's just like, I know exactly. Yeah, it what could you be mean. just like, Oh, yep. they just, an- you know, added tambourine to this verse. Yeah. But that really moves it, you know, really picks up. It's just that extra dimension, right? It's you know? di- yeah, it's little, a great little way to details. put it. dimension. Yeah. It's little subtle things, but they actually make a huge difference as far as, you know, the song goes. I mean, also just his arranging and composition is just the tops. Like he's a freak. He, Oh, he's yeah, just a monster. Yeah. He's an absolute, absolute monster. Um, and there is just no, there is just no comparison because he was the guy to take literally every genre and just put it together, and just it, he never was. I mean, yeah, we can always say he's funk and R and B and that kind of thing, but he's so much more than that. If you were to really dissect it, I mean, I remember like he could grab everyone, which is just that's a testament to a good musician where you can just pull everyone in, like you and I. So for everyone listening, we um. When we had, before we had the Rat Cave studio, we had a smaller studio at Will's place and we were working on fixing one of our albums and we constantly required um, fried chicken to to power us. So we were either going to Popeye's or something like mm. that to get chicken. Shout out to Popeye's. And we'd always, <laughs> yes, we'd always have, a, we'd always have um, some kind of record in the car going and um, we'd have, oh, I would always have Stevie Wonder at some point. And like I remember, just you and I listening, we'd be like, "Yo, wait, back that part up," and we'd just be like stank facing the whole time, and just be like, or you'd be like, "Dude, listen how nasty this drum part is," because usually it was like him playing drums on a lot of the records. Yeah, too. and I mean, and it's just, it, it's just like little nuances that you would hear or little details. It's like, it's like watching a very impressive movie where you see something new every time. It's like listening to that. It's just like where did this come from? This has been here for how many years, and I never noticed it until now. That's my favorite. I think. Dude, the the well, we're gonna t- we have to talk about my hero now because I think oh, I know where this is going. Like, you know yeah, exactly I was gonna where mention when I said it. little. You're beating me to it. Little details, um, about realizing little details that have been there this entire time and you never notice it is my hero, which is who is David Bowie. And when I always think of one of the top musicians and players and everything, like that guy played literally everything. Um. He was able to change his sound and persona over the years, but still be him. I think that's incredible as just an art. Um, but you and I were trying to do a breakdown of fame. Yeah, yeah. In in the studio, 
how many guitars were on that part? We, like, we never noticed how many guitars are on this damn track and just doing little things in the background. And we broke it down and we were like, dude, where did this, what is this? It was unbelievable. <laughs> uh, it's, and it's a song we've heard, I don't know, thousand times. Oh, well, I, that record is just incredible. You know, and we were just trying to basically cover it note by note. Um, I think we're just doing like an experiment in this. Yeah, we were just, just to see if we could. Yeah, do and we're it. like, oh, this is a great track to do it, and it. I couldn't believe the layers of guitar that is on that song that we never knew about. Like, I didn't even know there was. There's an acoustic guitar part on there. Yeah, just randomly. Just randomly, <laughs> and we had to go back and listen to it like a bunch of times because it was so faint. But we once you heard it, then it became clear. You. And without it, you noticed it was missing. A hundred percent, yeah. I remember you and I going up to your studio monitors. You had your head up to one side. I had my <laughs> head up to the other one. And I'll be like, what did you hear on your side? And you'd be like, there's a one going. Yeah, that's the acoustic part. And then on my side, I had the boom, boom, boom. And it was just like, what the, What was he thinking? It doesn't matter what he was thinking because it was it was perfect. Like, it's just in, in, like that's musicianship where it's just like you have all of these incredible moving parts that gives me chills thinking about it again oh dude we were freaking out that day i could like how animated i was like i'm always animated but like that was just but that was something was, man that was like enlightenment but it like worked. holy christ <laughs> and that's that's the crazy part is for like we noticed if you if when you heard it you heard it and then when you took it off and you took it out it was missing a huge chunk of the yeah. song and what's crazy I, I don't know how he did it uh, maybe he's just a pure genius but all those parts somehow lined up to form perfectly yeah because on their own they're so counter they're so counterpoint they're all different <laughs> like, tones so and timbres weird. and different rhythms and none none of it's unison but it all blended no. to make one and uh, we just looked at each other and we're like, uh, wow, you know? Well, you know, because a lot of times when you do guitar parts or however I've always learned to do guitar parts, you know, depending on where you're panning them, you know, that has a thing. But those parts were just like all over the place. It, it like they nuts. weren't near each other. To, to it, it was just like, and then the, the, the like icing on the cake is how simple that bass line is. That's the best part. Like I love that where it's just like you have all these crazy guitar parts and you just have bump, bump, bump. And that's it. Right. And it's like, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. He's not a dummy. He was not a dummy by any means. He's like absolutely just brilliant. Um, because back to what we were talking about, about, you know, play what's needed. Well, that bass part is what's needed because you got yes. the rest of the song is very busy with all these little things. So you can't have a busy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. bass part on top of that. Would make, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't gel. So that simple bass line works perfectly yep. and you know what you just singing it right there already got my head bobbing you know like and yeah. that's the point of it <laughs> is feel i mean i'll yeah. say that i'll say the same thing i said oh well oh good lord well dude bowie was a master of feel and we know mm. that but i'll say the same thing i said that day um you know he had been dead for how many years and i was like dude he is still taking us to school like that's what yeah, like yeah. unapologetically that's what that was like he was still taking us to school like we were like this been here the whole time and still can't believe it dude that's just 
So it's cool because that's a different layer of what makes someone a good musician. It's he harnessed that like he just that idea of creation like that and all these moving pieces and it worked. Um, I mean, the guy played everything and just for him to be able to put that together and envision it is just incredible. And that's just a testament to how how skilled he was. Um, Good Lord, dude. And that's cool because I kind of brought me to the next piece I wanted to talk about with this is the genre of it where Bowie was every genre. Like literally he did everything everything he had the dance record he had the pop record he had the folk stuff he had the rock stuff he he did everything which is cool so i think one of the things that a lot of people push to the side in musicianship is genre so you're more hip to a lot of the modern country scene than i am but i do know a lot of those players because people just push to the side because they're not necessarily listening to the the music part it's always like a lot of the lyrics and the storytelling which is important but those players, whether it's a simple bass part or a guitar part, those guys are like ungodly solid. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. You know, so for me, when I think country, I'm always like, you know, Johnny Cash and Hank Williams and like all the old guys like that, or like early Les Paul and like, actual country you know, or, or Chet Atkins. Yeah, yeah like that yeah. kind of stuff, like the train track sound. Um, but so I, you know, I always looked at modern country more as like a southern rock kind of feel. But that has a lot of moving parts, too, in a completely different way, which I think is impressive. Because a lot of those times you have, like, three guitars. You have an acoustic guy. You got an electric guy. You got a slide guy. You have a whole lot of that stuff. Um, And a lot of people will be like, ah, well, this dude's just – he's strumming chords. There's nothing great about it. And I – even though, like, it's not my forte for listening, I completely disagree because you need to be so solid with that stuff even if it's just a guy strumming on chords, it's like that is playing with that makes you a good musician. That is a good musician right there with a lot of those players right there. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't get into, I guess, country until more recently. Or like the pop country, I yeah. guess, more so. Uh, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's definitely crossing genres. At Someone this point. has cowboy boots on, whatever. Yeah. And. F- <laughs> And for me, it was always, I mean, everybody listens to music differently. So I'm not too much uh, a lyrics person. Um, I, you know, so I don't, I listen to music. I'd listen to the bass player first, not the drums. Well, I know that's, good, I know that's a good surprising. boy. Yeah. So like I'd listen <laughs> to, you know, the, the song structure and, and the instruments before I even think about what they're saying. So that's kind of what opened my eyes to country because I didn't care about the lyrics because, you know, sometimes they can be mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I was <laughs> listening to the songwriting and the musicians that are on the record. And I was like, these are some serious players. And also mm-hmm. the the songwriting is fantastic, you know? Yeah. And a lot of people overlook it. Yeah. You know? Because you, you know, you put some, you can put some crazy lyrics over top of it or silly lyrics and it, like it, it, you know, overshadows what's going on in the background and you know Mm -hmm. it's all live instrumentation and these guys are killing it and it goes back to the studio session players but also the you know you got the the guys playing live with these artists are just as good um yeah and you know with with country now is like it's I, i guess a great example is um one of my favorites is chris stapleton 
I mean, he kind of falls into the older, more traditional. Yes, to- totally had that old school feel. Right. Yeah. He's r- like ungodly talented guy. Exactly. And um, this, what, like what you mentioned earlier was, you know, listening to somebody on the record and then listening to him live. Well, yeah, I've seen him two or three times now. This dude sounds just like the record to a mm-hmm. T. And I was kind of doing some digging on the internet and I came across, um, he's a engineer and, uh, producer, uh, Vance Powell. He's got a bunch of Grammys now, but he's out of Nashville and he record recorded all of Chris Stapleton's stuff. And it was an interview with him and he was talking about, you know, Chris Stapleton and he said the exact same thing. He's like him in the studio recording is exactly what you're going to get live. And that's how they recorded that album. Like he, they didn't, they didn't dub over. Oh, in a live setting. Kind of. It was, Chris played guitar and sang at the same time. They did not overdub any of his vocals, any of everything was recorded at one time. It was, he is an awesome player too. Yeah. Like he's no joke. And he started (laughs) out as song as doing songwriting. I mean, he wrote so many hits for people and, and, and then eventually just wanted to do his own thing. So he, another person that checks off all the boxes. Um, yeah. But, you know, listen to his records and listen to what the musicians are playing on it. It's not fast stuff. It's nothing technically crazy. Nope. But it's no. consistent. It's solid. And it feels good. And it's, and it's the right thing that needs to be played at the time. Um, it's got that feel, baby. That's what matters. Yeah, so for anybody, you know, unsure about country or you know i was i felt the same way i mean but yeah yeah neck give it another listen and start you know kind of listening to what's going on in the background listen to you know the musicians on it because they're they're incredible but yeah see now it's funny because i always like the old older country stuff and then on the flip side of it, I'm always like, yeah, you know, I used I'm not really into this sh- a lot of shredding stuff, but it's like I'm huge into bluegrass. Um, and it's yeah. like that is like the most shredding shred you will ever get. And I always give those guys a lot of props because you're doing these incredible fa- like gut-bustingly fast runs with absolutely no distortion to cover up any mistakes. So it's like you just have to do it clean and you have to make it yeah, you have to, to do make it right. Work. Yeah. And unapologetically, I got into bluegrass because of the Country Bears at Walt Disney World. Um, back in the day, and that's what kind of got me into that. The Country Bears are a very good band. You can come fight me if you disagree. Um, <laughs> but when you get into the shredding realm, like that's that is also a commendable skill musicianship wise. Now, obviously, I'm always more feeling things, but I have like the utmost respect for kind of stuff because you always have like the three different big groups of shredding. You got your bluegrass guys, you got your jazz and bebop guys, and then you have a lot of your you know super heavy metal kind of stuff where it's the, the just ungodly fast players, and it's like. Yeah, that that is an incredible skill. I mean, you know, I love the feeling kind of stuff, and I like to sit back and groove. And, you know, for me, that's not necessarily what my listening taste is. But, like, so one of my favorite jazz guys is Wes, Wes Montgomery, guitarist. Um, yeah, great player. Just super monster player. I love his albums. I listen to literally all the time. Um, and he is, you know, he, he can dude can shred when he has to but then when you get into like even deeper further like oh god you look at like your charlie parkers and stuff like that like you want to talk about just the most ungodly like incredibly fast playing and playing over just ridiculous changes like i had a student who uh who wanted to get into bebop 
and she brought me in one of the charts and she was you know guitarist and she, i was like uh, all right so here's a fun game we're gonna play what key is this in and she's like oh it's an f major and i said how many of these chords are in the key of f major and she said none and i said well have fun and <laughs> that's luck. literally what is you know learning learning to play over top of every single chord like that you know and it's like that's why you know guys like you know parker and like coltrane that's like ungodly incredible musicianship there too because it's like you are taking songs with just every crazy balls of the wall chord you ever could have in just every interval degree you could ever have possibly like you know you got your sh your flat fives and your sharp fives and your and, and your, uh, your sharp nines and there's all sorts of craziness and they hit every chord coming and they're soling over top of each change and that that is like a ridiculous skill granted a lot of that was created just for you know competitive um kind of style where it was everyone kind of soloing against each other all the yeah. time and in a competition standpoint which i'm not competitive with that kind of stuff but that's like that is a really cool skill so it's like i think we kind of hit all the parameters of this because you have the far 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 end which is like oh this guy's just a strummer but he's so solid and he has such feeling and then we're on this way other crazy end of the spectrum where it's like yeah you got your your coltrane's and dudes like that and your django reinhardt's where it's they're playing like these or, or your your chet atkins is and they're you know, playing these ridiculously crazy speeds and playing over all the change, or like your Randy Rhodes or any of the guitar shredders like that, where it's like, oh, they're just doing crazy classical runs over all this kind of stuff at like just incredible speeds. And I mean, you can just really tell. So, I mean, I think in conclusion, like what are the, what are the main bases that really do make someone a good musician? Because it's, everything contradicts each other it's like oh you got to be fast well look how slow this guy is and he's considered incredible yeah got to have a really intense theory yeah but this dude can't even tie his shoes he's like a monster <laughs> player you know or it's like oh your technique squidward technique you know and it's like well this guy plays you know perfect technique and things like that. it's like well yeah but like west montgomery plays with just his thumb jeff beck plays with just his thumb james jamerson playing bass played with one finger only with like another finger stacked on it oh, that's like yeah the, like a gross technique but it's like it works argue argue he's not a good player i mean it, it's just it's nuts will you always have like perfect inconclusion sentiments and <laughs> i i can't i can't compete i've learned now seven episodes deep you know, Wait, I, can't I thought this was my you, first so. episode. First episode, you know, in I just can't yeah. compete with you. I just can <laughs> really tell that you're going to just be a really, you know, sport. You're going to slug this one out of the park now, pal. Um, but what would what would you like to say as like kind of a little ending thing here, like with this? Because you just you always wrap it up so nicely. Oh and, uh, well, now the pressure is on. You know. <laughs> um, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's hard to say because everything contradicts itself. But I think, you know, if you take some key things out of it is, you know, be consistent. That goes with yeah. any genre. Um, I think consistency and solidity are both very important, whether you're a fast player, or slow player, no theory, all theory. Yeah, you have to be consistent no matter what it is. Um, making it feel good. Which I was going to say, what's my second favorite F word of all time? Feel. Feeling. It was, it was feeling. <laughs> oh, yeah. Feeling. I had that's another one, but yeah, that's for another podcast. That's my first favorite. Yeah. Feel, <laughs> which we you've probably heard a ton on 
this episode, and you probably will hear for all of our episodes because it's that important. And if, I mean, say if you're in the the right musical circles, you hear it all the time. Yeah, it's most important, you know. Um, uh, we did feel. We did. Um, because I can't even say like style. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, and solidity. You know. Um. It's, it is very tough. I think it's always going to be a subjective thing. And I, I, I honestly think for Michael, Michael F. from Brooklyn, I honestly think that there is no right answer. No. Nor is there a wrong answer. And I think it's like any other art where it's completely subjective. I mean, we got to talk about some of our favorites and some of the things that we favor. And not everyone may feel that way. You know, there are going to be some people where it's like, well, you have to be an incredibly fast player or you suck. And they're not necessarily wrong because it's an interest that someone might have. That's what they might look for when they listen, you know. Um, yeah. But I I just, I love this question. That's why I, I, I thought this was such a good one for this week because it's just such an open topic. It's not anything specific. It's like, well, what do you think? It's just an opinionated yeah. thing, which I think is great. Yeah, exactly. Um, so thank you. Yeah, I would say thank you, Michael, again, for writing that in. Um, I thought that was a great, great, great topic. I don't know if Will thought the same thing. I hope he did. Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, we didn't mention <laughs> you, you, you be a good person, which we've mentioned before. Oh, that's the top one, yes. No matter what you do, what you play, what genre of music, be a that good person. Goes, Will, that was, that was beautiful. Gee, that's what that I wanted. That goes Mr. Rogers would be so way. proud of you. Yeah. Yeah, it goes the longest way. That's how you get all the gigs. You got to be a nice person, exactly. not an asshole. Show up on time, come dressed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Um, so I think in conclusion, that's perfect. Guys, this has been the Drop the Beat podcast. Um, if you, again, would like to submit a question, go to www.charlesrita.com slash contact, and there's the little form box on there you can fill out. And if we pick your question, we're going to contact you, and we're going to give you a free shirt for your ass that you should wear on your torso. I think the yo ass is just a, a pleasantry, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, if you guys would like to support us on Patreon, go to charlesreader.com and there's a big gaudy orange button right on the main page. We are doing our Patreon for just $1 a month and uh, that'll put you in the running for some of the fun stuff that we do and discounts in the merch shop and other things like that. Just $1. We didn't want to do any crazy tier kind of things. We thought that would just be fun enough and we always appreciate the support. Whether you you help us on Patreon or not, if you, even if you're just listening and sharing our stuff and just being a good person like William mm, said. Yes. That is important. So in closing, my name is Charles Larita. And I'm Will Sarver. And we would most definitely like to thank you guys for listening to us beat off this week. And we will see you next time. Ciao.